If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Pasha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Pasha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to spend some time post-Pesach. And in fact, our sages tell us that today is a special day. It's called Isrochag. It is the day after a festival, but very much connected to the festival. And this is something that we have to consider because we just come out of an amazing Chag, an amazing festival of Pesach, with all sorts of dimensions and elements, all of them talking about freedom, liberation, exodus, coming out of a restraint and limited set of conditions and coming into a great new freedom. And while, of course, throughout Pesach we have so many events, so many activities, beginning with, of course, the preparation for Pesach itself, and then Pesach, the festival, the matzah that we eat, the four cups of wine, the Seder, talking about the history of the Jewish people, all of this points to one thing, to one important thing, and that is that each and every one of us has the ability and the capacity to achieve great and wonderful things far beyond what we actually think we're capable of. A human being is blessed with so many levels of ability, of talent, of greatness, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, even physically. But it's our job to bring those hidden dimensions to the fore, to bring it out from within, to expose it on a conscious level in our lives. And this is what Pesach is all about. Pesach reaches into our souls, and through the activities of Pesach, wants to tell us how to become different and free. Now, we've gone through what many consider to be a very, very different and sometimes very difficult Pesach. And I was sure that after the Chag, after the Yontif, I would be inundated with calls of how miserable, of how terrible this Yontif was. Some people all alone, some people just husband and wife, some people with two or three people, but not the traditional Pesach of sitting around a huge Seder table with family galore, talking and celebrating. Most people did not have that this year, and I thought for sure that somehow people would tell me how terrible, how difficult this Pesach was. But that didn't happen. In fact, the extreme opposite happened. So many people, so many people actually called me and told me how wonderful this Pesach was, how meaningful it was, how extraordinary, how different and how great this Pesach was. In fact, a number of people have told me quite clearly, this is the best Pesach that I ever, ever experienced in my entire life. I was speaking to a friend of mine, a friend of mine who has a large family, a wonderful family. And I know that to him and his wife, being with family is the greatest thing. What did he tell me last night? He said, this was the best Pesach that I had. I sat with my wife. We celebrated. It was meaningful. It was deep. It was profound. It was uplifting. It was altogether different. Pesach is a time, we are told, of Diluch, where a person is able not only to move from one level to the other, but to actually leap many, many different levels. This is what Pesach is all about. And God left over 
the houses of Israel. This is a festival that we are able to achieve great things because we don't move stage by stage. We move from one level to an infinitely higher level. We have the capacity. We have the ability. I told the story to a group right after the first days of Pesach. And I was told by a friend of mine, another friend, he said, ever since he remembers going to a Seder, what was he always thinking at the Seder table? What he was always thinking is, when will we get to Dayenu? When will we get to that portion where we say Dayenu, we sing the song, because then the activity starts, the matzah is served, the mara is served, the meal is served. He couldn't wait to get to Dayenu. And he's not a youngster. He said this year, he was all alone with his wife. They sat and had their own Seder. And as the evening went on, it became more and more meaningful. The words of the Haggadah, the discussions that he had, the insights, the experience that he felt. And as he turned every page, all he thought about this year is, I wish the next page won't have Dayenu. I'm not ready for the Dayenu. I'm not ready simply to get into that meal and have those delicious Pesach delicacies. This is not what it's all about. What it's all about is trying to understand what the Haggadah is telling us. The story of the ancients, the people coming out of Egypt, the story of our sages sitting around and talking about in glorious terms of how great the idea of leaving Egypt is on a constant level each and every single day to raise the cup and to sing Vahisha Amda despite the fact that the enemies of Israel in every single generation are trying to destroy Israel, the Jewish people. We survive with pride, with dignity. This is what this year's Pesach was all about to a great many people. A sudden realization that they are able to accomplish great things. You don't need the crowds. Of course we look forward to having the family and friends around the table again, please God, soon. Of course, we will return to those incredibly joyous positions as well. But we learned this year, we are capable of doing extraordinary things. We are capable of running our own Seder. We are capable of looking into the Haggadah, yes, with different interpretations and with different explanations, but to make them real in our own lives, in our own situation. This is what this year was all about. It was a Pesach that was different, but different in the most powerful, positive, beneficial way. It was different in a way that we didn't imagine we would ever experience. We were absolutely worried about how we're going to cope. But not only did we cope, we soared, we flew, we did extraordinary things, we accomplished what we never thought we could. And there's an important lesson to be learned within the context of today, within the context of the Parsha that I'll soon explain, within the context of this time of the year, within the context of the situation that we find ourselves in, locked down throughout the world, this is an extraordinary time. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. This, of course, bolsters the idea, as I keep on saying again and again and again, we might be on our own, but we're not alone. There's a wonderful community out there, friends, neighbors, family, 
community thinking and caring. A wonderful, wonderful concept by Chai FM Helpline. We're talking about recognizing what we're capable of doing. And this is why the Parsha that we study this week, and we're going to read tomorrow, not in shul, but at home, is the Parsha of Shmini. The Parsha of Shmini begins with the glorious moment in Jewish history when Aaron and his sons were inaugurated into the temple as high priest and priests. And it was the eighth day, and the presence of God entered into the Mishkan, into the tabernacle. It was a time of incredible joy. The people had worked, contributed to build this temple. And now it all came to the great finale of seeing the presence of God enter the temple. It was the eighth day. And as we've often spoken, the number eight is not the continuation of seven. It's an altogether different dimension. Seven symbolizes the natural order. Eight, the divine order. That which transcends the natural order, that which is higher. For six, seven days, they practiced. They went through the motions of the inauguration. But it was only on the eighth day when that infinite divine energy came from on high, they entered into an incredibly different type of reality. The eighth day, the Mishkan was completed, the presence of God was felt. And this particular Parsha of Shemini is almost always read in close proximity to Pesach, because both contain this idea. As mentioned before, the idea of Pesach is to move away from our limitations. Now, when I speak about our limitations, it doesn't mean that we're tied and changed and our hands are bound behind, behind our backs. Limitations basically can be, in fact, great things as well, but not as great as they could be and not as great as they should be. Most people are limited by a particular type of, well, intellectual insight into things. We are limited by certain things. Not only are we geographically and chronologically limited by time and space, the way we think, the way we feel, the way we interact, the way we experience is limited. Limited by the limitations of time and space where we're born, to whom we're born, how we were raised, what our values are. Along comes Pesach and says, things can and will be dramatically different. This is what the parish is talking about. So this will be the eighth day. You are now entering a different time zone, a different reality, a different situation. Your mind, your heart, your soul, everything is expanded on an altogether different level. And yet, when we take a look toward the end of the Parsha, we begin to wonder, what is the continuation of the eighth day? The eighth day, a glorious moment. The presence of Shekhinah, the presence of God himself, descends into the temple, the Mishka, the tabernacle. The world has changed dramatically. The presence of God will be here on a permanent basis, not for a short while as revelation on Sinai, but the Mishkan contains the presence of God, and then again the Mikdash, and please God the third. 
But what does the rest of the parasha talk about? The rest of the parasha seems to talk about something which is quite mundane in relationship to what the eighth day is all about, to what the glorious presence of God's Shekhinah is all about. What does it talk about? It talks about which animals are kosher and we are permitted to eat those animals and which animals are not kosher and we are prohibited from eating those animals. And one begins to wonder how can one Parsha under one name, Shmini, the eighth, how can one Parsha contain both these elements, the highest of the high. The fact that the revealed presence of God comes into a specific specific physical area in the world. And then go talk about we can and we cannot eat. And the answer is both simple and profound. How do we maintain the eighth day reality in our lives and in our world? Do we have to keep on jumping to higher and greater levels? Do we have to meet greater challenges? Not necessarily. The way we retain the presence of the eighth day, of God's presence in this world, the infinite coming in to the limited world in which we live, is by dealing this world, in this world correctly. Yes, precisely how we eat. We are not creatures that live in spiritual realms. We are God's creatures living in this physical world. And we have a body and a soul. And each one, the body and the soul, have their particular jobs. The soul yearns, pulls us, draws us to greater spiritual dimension. And the body tells us you have to live in this physical world that God created with infinite purpose. But you have to live in it correctly. You have to deal with the physical dimensions of life in an appropriate and proper manner. No, we're not angels. We don't live in those spiritual domains. But we do have spiritual power. And we use that spiritual power to live correctly. And when we eat what is proper, according to Torah definition, according to the word of God, we are accomplishing the same things, tell us our sages, that the high priest and other priests in the temple did by serving God in the house of God. This is something which is so important for us to understand. We often think to ourselves it's only within impossible situations that we can rise to higher and greater levels. Yes, those challenges do contain those great opportunities as we have seen in our own lives in the last little while. But more than that, it's how we deal with ordinary everyday things that truly define who and what we are and truly accomplish the greatest things of all. It's that one word, it's that smile, it's that gesture. It's that reaching out in a particular sort of way. It's great to have wonderful ideas and wonderful concepts. But where do we actually make them real, make them effective? That's in the laboratory of life, every single day experiences. Difficult, very difficult. You know, sometimes to do extraordinary things seems so difficult. But when we get to it, 
we have a surge of energy, a surge of power that takes us to a higher level. The true greatness of the human being is to deal with the everyday realities of life in a proper, divine, God-driven, Torah-detailed way. That's how we have an effect on the world, and that's how we have an effect on the world in which we live. You know, we've learned one thing today, well, for the last couple of weeks more so. It's a very small world, and the entire world is interconnected. And yes, what one person eats 5,000 miles away can have a dramatic effect on my life. Not some sort of conceptual effect, theoretical effect, a practical effect. And if this is true in the negative sense, how much more so in the positive? When I do eat properly, when I make a blessing, when I recognize the presence of God, when I celebrate when I celebrate God's magnificent world in a good way and handle it in a positive way, then I know that what I have accomplished is extraordinary. This is the Parsha of the week. We begin with Shemini. We begin with the extraordinary elevation of God's divine presence coming down into this, well, very limited structure. But it's the eighth day. We celebrate. We rejoice. We go to the next level, and the next level, the higher level, is how we eat and what we eat and how we live our physical lives. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about how to reconcile both elements. On the one hand, the Shmini that incredible burst of energy that takes us to far higher levels and the end of the Parsha that talks to us about how to live life every single day in correct and proper manner. One of the other things that is taking place at this particular time is that we are in the process of counting the Omer. Every day we go through another day and we count and it has a particular character each and every single day. This is in line with what we are talking about, the fact that we begin Pesach with the excitement of the Seder. But the second night of Pesach, in addition to the Seder that we have, we start counting the Omer. And the Omer means I go day by day for 49 days and work through in great detail the character, the energy, the strength that each day presents. This combination of high energy and practical responsibility is what Yiddishkeit is all about. There are moments of great ecstasy. There are moments of great excitement. And then there are moments that we go step by step. Yes, on Pesach, we go forward in extraordinary measure. We leap forward. But at the same time, we also start counting the honor. The parsha we talk about the great, great joy of the eighth day. But then we talk about what we can and we cannot eat. These two ideas must govern our lives constantly and always. When there's an opportunity to leap forward to do extraordinary things, we must do so. But at the same time, we cannot forget attention to detail on a daily 
practical basis. Now, one of the things that Pesach talks to us about is not only the liberation, the freedom of going out of Egypt, which happened in the past, but as I say, just tell us the last days of Pesach, talks to us about the idea of future redemption, the idea of Mashiach. When you think about it, now more than any other time, so many people are thinking about and considering in a real way the idea of Mashiach. Somehow we know that the world is not the same place that it was yesterday and we really don't want to go back to when it was all normal. Because what we came out of wasn't all that normal. What we are looking forward to is something greater and better. The Messianic era, the coming of Mashiach, when things will change dramatically. Each and every one of us, each and every one of us, not only to the audience listening to Chai FM, but each and every one of us in this entire world, our lives were changed. Our lives were dramatically changed. And at the same time, we know they were changed for a reason, for a purpose, so that our eyes should see things far more clearly. Our minds should understand things far more clearly. What we feel, what we experience, our emotions should be focused and geared toward proper emotional responses and reactions. This is what this experience is all about. We can talk about it from today till tomorrow. The fact remains, our lives have been changed dramatically for the better. Whether it's running our own Seder, or recognizing how we're able to accomplish things, or the ability to reach out and help other people. So many powerful and wonderful elements. We don't want to go back to the way it was. We want to go forward to something greater and better. And this is why now is the time for us to think about and to live with the idea of Moshiach. It's not a distant theoretical concept. It's part of our everyday life. As Rambam says, it's the foundation. It's one of the foundations of our faith. Because without the promise of a great and glorious Moshiach era, what purpose does life have? Do we go through the same things again and again and again? No. We are now a different people. We are a greater people. And the way that we go toward that incredible blessing is by at all times understanding and implementing the combination of and the reality of, on the one hand, the shmini, the excitement, the greatness, the joy, the leaping forward. And then the other part of the parsha that talks to us how to eat, how to live, how to go through our physical lives in a particularly responsible way. And as the last words of the Karsha tells us, what's it all about? So that we are able to distinguish between the pure and the impure, between that which we may eat and that which we are not permitted to eat. What's it all about? What's, what's Shemini? What is the great climax, the grand finale of the Parsha of Shemini? How to look at life and to make distinctions. This is good, and this is not good. This is acceptable, this is not acceptable. This is right, and this is wrong. That 
is the greatest gift of all. Because that gives meaning to the purpose of why we are on this world. It gives meaning to the purpose of why we have to accomplish what we have to accomplish. It gives meaning to who and what we are. That there are elements of truth that we don't see initially. But then as we make our choices, as we continue through life, they become real, they become powerful, they become the reality of our own existence. It's an incredible Shabbos, the Shabbos. The Shabbos right after Pesach. The Shabbos that comes, well, 24 hours after Pesach. It's an incredible Shabbos. And no, we're not going to sit in shul tomorrow and listen to the Torah being read. We are going to read the Torah in the shul in our own homes. In our own homes. And this is why you have to prepare. So that when you read this portion tomorrow to yourself, it will be meaningful and powerful because you have prepared what in fact you want to read. There are great many sites out there where you're able to find wonderful things about the Parsha. I always recommend Chabad.org, that's C-H-A-B-A-D.org, where you can have wonderful essays on the Parsha of the week. So when you're in your private shul at home tomorrow, listen to the words of the Parsha. Enjoy, celebrate the Shmini, the eighth day. Recognize the power of the every single day detail. Good job,